Welcome back to uh, to Mixed Doubles on KCOU 88.1 FM. But enough enough dilly-dallying. Enough dilly-dallying. Let's just get straight into it. The, uh, uh, the biggest news in the four major sports is the pitch clock. The pitch clock in Major League Baseball. It's a new rule that's been implemented. You know, we've we've known this. We know we've known this change was coming for a while. I've been to a lot of minor league baseball games and I've seen it in action. So, you know, I I've seen them testing it out. It's like the robo umps. Like the robo umps might be coming soon, and it's Wait, gonna are be those like, a thing? yeah. Oh, I want a robo ump. You do? Yeah, that's awesome. Man, the baseball purist would absolutely hate your guts for that one because let it's me- like the robo dog on Missy's campus, but better. I'm, yeah, I mean, yeah, but I, no, I don't know. I'm just know. kidding. The, I'm a little the bit traditionalists scared. are not going to uh, like that. Yeah, but um, so. Sorry. Yeah, no, yeah you're good. Um, you know, we, 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 we've seen this rule sort of coming up through the minor league baseball systems, and finally it is here. But the reason why it's making such big waves is that now it's spring training. Now we're seeing it in action, and people are people are pretty divided about whether or not they love it or hate it. Um, if you don't know what it is, it's kind of like a play clock or a shot clock in basketball. And it makes it so pitchers have 15 seconds to pitch the ball and batters have 15 seconds to essentially get ready to like swing the bat. Um, it's 15 seconds with bases empty, 20 seconds with runners on. I think that's a a very important distinction. Um, and essentially if the pitcher doesn't pitch the ball in time, it's an automatic ball. And if the batter doesn't get ready in time, it's an automatic strike. And we actually saw a game end on a pitch clock tie because in spring training they don't do extras. And a batter struck out with the bases loaded because he didn't get ready in time for the pitch. And that was definitely an interesting wrinkle in the uh, the, the the pitch clock universe and something that will probably never happen again. But it was very funny to see it happen in like the third game it was used. Abigail, you know, I, I, I don't know how much, I, I assume you watch a fair amount of baseball. Maybe not like it, watch a baseball game every night and then break it down in the film room. But like, how do you, how do you feel about this change? I honestly am excited about the pitch clock change. And that should indicate to you that I am in fact not a baseball purist, to use your own phrase, or a traditionalist. I am pretty new onto the MLB scene. Uh, really have only started following it I would say within the last few years and even that like really starting to kind of follow teams and have a little bit more name recognition within the last year. And part of my reluctance to ever really get into baseball is the slow pace of game. And I know that that's going to make it sound like I'm a very restless person. Um, and perhaps I am, but I like a little bit more upbeat where like players are kept on their toes and the game keeps it moving. And from a viewer standpoint, this pitch clock really makes a lot of sense to me um it was a little interesting though watching some of those preseason clips and seeing this like bright red flashing cl- <laughs> like yeah. clock like normally baseball is so iconic for its classicism and like having the back uh i don't know boundary behind the home plate like with just kind of print ads or nothing at all or like the iconic brick wall or something and then having like a bright red flashing light i was like all right this is definitely shifting baseball into a new more technologically advanced era like you gave the umps mics last season this is kind of the next step i think it's not going to generate enough buzz and appeal for fans who could care less about baseball but I think it might be a very strong targeting promotional tool for fans like me who have kind of stood on the side like, eh, maybe. And now it's like, all right, this might get me to sit and actually watch a game for more than a few innings. Yeah, I mean, to me, I also feel like I feel like this is a long time coming. No pun yeah. in, no pun intended here. Long time coming. Get it. Oh, because it's a clock. Uh, well, anyway. I wanted to understand. I, yeah, I know. I, I, I agree, though. I very much dislike the giant red clock that you can just, like, see. I think that it should be, a, like, an on-screen graphic, just like the play clock is, like, in the NFL, and yeah. then, like, have it as, like, a reference point for, like, the pitcher, maybe, like, kind of in the press box area, and then, like, for the batter, maybe put it out in, like, the outfield, because, like... Uh, I don't yeah it is really weird seeing this giant ominous doomsday clock behind a batter and you're just like it, it's kind of distracting it but, is a little distracting I, but back to the the point of it is I think games have just gotten so long and it didn't used to be like this yeah. if you go back to the 1930s games used to be below two hours I mean then they were playing with balls made of like 
freshly fresh freshly like freshly what i don't know freshly like slain cow and they were using bats made from, wait what I, i'm just making a joke about how like 1930s baseball was like very like old-fashioned and it was like, like it's a hamburger maybe I, i'm confused no like leather I, oh yeah, oh, leather. yeah, yeah. Got, it, got it i don't know like ball you know and they were playing with leather helmets and like you know like they would fight over those like, were the good old days. <laughs> yeah the, the, the good, 1930s the good old days of baseball and like <laughs> for white men anyway <laughs> I mean, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. But you know, games used to be sub two hours. That's I don't. Want, I would watch I, it. For I don't sub want two hours. I don't want games to be below two hours. But yeah. I don't also. Three is a sweet. Spot. I also yeah don't want them to be over three hours. And games in the nineteen eighties and nineteen nineties were around two and a half, two forty five in that area. And I feel like that's the perfect spot. I just think that pitchers and batters nowadays just take so long, and it creates this dead time in in baseball games. That it it can get boring, and I mean, I'm not yeah. to say that I, I'm like some Gen Z Zoomer who just needs action 24/7 and flashing lights and fireworks and all this stuff. But whenever you're sitting there, it's mid July, it's like three in the afternoon. You're watching a baseball game, and you're watching like Jacob Degrom just stand there for 45 seconds. It like, what am I gonna do? Not check my phone? I'm just watching a dude stand there while listening to the commentators be like, "Well, back in 1993, Jeff Ludwig." You know, he had a really nice, you know, it's just like... Back in the 1930s when the cows were on the... <laughs> when the cows were on the field and we had four outfielders and <laughs> we had guys named Jeff McClung or whatever. Yeah, but... Uh, it, and we've seen the results in uh, AAA yeah. and in the minor leagues, which I, I know is the same thing. But, like, I didn't actually... I've never been to a minor league game, so I didn't realize that they've been using a pitch clock until I started researching for this show and the results are like proven. Like it yeah. has cut minor league games by an average of 25 minutes. So you know that works. Also, there's another rule pitchers get two disengagements um, per batter. And that has incre- led to an increase of 26% in stolen base attempts. Yeah. I love stolen bases. Stolen bases are another exciting factor that kind yeah, of bring fans into the game a little bit, especially if you're having a low hitting game. Yeah. So. And I think it's going to make the sport just a lot more watchable, and it's yeah. going to put its pace of play to that of like other sports that play more than once a week. With the NFL, I'm fine with them being over three hours because I'm watching it once a week. If I sit down for a baseball game and I'm watching a three-hour game every day, I mean, that's an eighth of my day to, to baseball. And just making it a little bit shorter and putting it kind of near NHL, NBA kind of territory, I think that'll be fine. But uh, speaking of the NHL. I know we don't cover a lot of NHL news, but we've got some sad news for our Chicago sports listeners. Patrick Kane, the Chicago Blackhawks great, got traded to the New York Rangers. It's a new era for Chicago. They needed they needed money. They needed to kind of suck. They're going for that first overall draft pick in the NHL draft lottery. So the Hawks, they got two draft picks. Chicago's going to keep about 50% of Kane's $10 million contract. Abigail, what are your uh, what are your thoughts on this? I'm surrounded by a lot of NHL Blackhawk fans, and I That's have been... That's a shame. <laughs> actually, they're all pretty cool, but they have kind of been hinting... There have been whispers of this trade happening, I mean, really all season. Really, for the honestly, the past couple of seasons. And I think... They seem excited about it, and they also seem like, you know, it needed to be done. It was an end-of-an-era kind of thing. He's been there since, I want to say, 2007, 2008. Um, You know, a really a great guy has brought them several cups, but not for a while, and they need money. They they needed money to earn that draft pick, and they need to be able to pay the pick that they want to pick up. And uh, it was also interesting. Like, this, normally partings are kind of a little bit bittersweet, but this one was definitely laced in, like, utmost gratitude between the Blackhawks organization, fan base, and Patrick Kane. Both were just kind of showering each other in praise and gratitude, and it feels like a pretty amicable parting on both ends. And, I mean, we kind of touched on Chicago sports last week and just the dismal state that most of the leagues are in. Maybe this is kind of a spark that at least one of the teams was looking for. They yeah. needed something, and oftentimes that means you got to say goodbye. Yeah. I, I, I think that... Well, and kind of what I want to focus in on is a lot of people are complaining about how low an asking price was for, for Kane. And I think the only... So, first of all, my St. Louis Blues also blew it up. You know, Blues, Badly. Blackhawks, blow it up. 
kind of alliterative there. Uh, the only difference here is I think the Blues had a lot of leverage. Like, they still could have taken those players and tried to compete, and I think other teams knew that. So that's why that asking price for a lot of guys like Taron Sanko were, were really high. Kane was the only asset on one of the worst teams in the AHL, and it's very obvious that the Blackhawks just needed to get rid of him. And so teams were just not going to break the bank for him. And so I think that's why you only saw two draft picks and, you know, for what is essentially a salary dump. And that's just kind of, it's a sad way to go, but hey. It's business and it had to be done. And yeah, they did it well and respectably. And it was like they were trying to extend this championship era that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Kane's power is only as good as the people you put around him. And right now the Blackhawks roster doesn't have any good people around him enough to yeah. sustain a winning season. Well, then you might as well get rid of Kane and start fresh and get some good draft picks to build up something new. Gotcha. Well, speaking of starting fresh, Russell Wilson, a report has come out that Russell Wilson wanted the entire Seahawks franchise to start fresh whenever he was in his final season with Seattle. Um, yeah, Russell Wilson wanted uh, reportedly wanted Pete Carroll fired for uh, his current head coach, Sean Payton. So very interesting how all that stuff kind of works out. You know, I, I'm not going to say that Russell Wilson was self-sabotaging, but maybe he just did really did not like Nathaniel Hackett or something. I don't know. But anyway, uh, are, are you surprised by this this kind of, like, interesting power play that Russell Wilson tried to move with Seattle? Oh, yeah. I'm incredibly surprised by all of the power plays that we're now learning about Russell Wilson and how much power he has in the front office at Seattle and now with the Broncos. He had a lot of sway, it sounds like, with a lot of the front office, making a lot of his own coaching decisions. Um, they allowed his in-house – or, excuse me – out-of-house kind of personal QB coach to be at a lot of the staff meetings with Russell Wilson and the Broncos, that was something Sean Payton was like, uh, yeah, that's not going to be happening. Like, we will we will keep the meetings to our own personnel. Thank you very much. Just the fact that he had that much sway and kind of this, I'm going to come in and I'm going to tell you how to run this place definitely surprises me. Uh, I highly respect Russell Wilson, man of character, great player on the field. But this is definitely a little bit of a you don't always see what happens behind closed doors kind of deal. And maybe just his tenure at Seahawks was getting a little bit too long. He got a little bit in the head and he was like, all right, I'm going to start pulling some strings. But I guess it worked out for him because now they landed Sean Payton. I mean, I don't know. To me, well, I, at least with the Pete Carroll thing, after hearing all this stuff about Russell Wilson getting his own office and, you know, or yeah, getting his own office and being able to insert his own plays and cadences and all this other stuff into what was one of the worst offenses in football. This kind of tracks. It, it really seems like at this point in this career, Russ wants control. And while, yes, like your star quarterback should have some say in like where your franchise is going or, you know, what players are on the field, blah, 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 blah. It's just painfully obvious that Pete Carroll was more involved with the success of the Seahawks than Russell Wilson was. And Russ asking for him to be fired is a little bit interesting and probably explains why this whole communication breakdown happened between Seattle and, and Russell Wilson. But, you know, here it is. He's got his hand-picked coach. He still has his corner office in the, uh, in the Broncos building. If they don't succeed this year, if, if Russell Wilson puts up as bad of a year as he had last year he might be going to the xfl he might be he might be shipping himself to the st louis Battlehawks. so who knows i think it's going to be really ironic if after making that fuss and demand not demanding but you know deliberately asking pete carroll be fired and replacing them with sean payton i think it's gonna be interesting if after all of that he decides he doesn't like Sean Payton. That would be hilarious. Because I think exactly what's going to happen is Sean Payton's going to roll in, as he's already demonstrated at pressers, and said, I'm taking control. We're giving the control back to the coaching staff. We're going to do it my way or the highway. He's known for his very strict, he runs a tight ship. I don't know if Russ is going to like that. And after kind of wanting that, it's going to be kind of ironic if that doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, already the irony is like, Oh, it's uh, the, the irony has already peaked whenever the Seahawks made the playoffs with Geno Smith, the cast out, and Pete Carroll. The story Carroll, just keeps writing itself. Pete Carroll, the, the supposed crackpot coach who needs to be fired, and Russell Wilson languished in Denver and had one of the most disappointing seasons of all time. But, you know, 
<laughs> that was very dramatic. Sorry. A nice little story. <laughs> but it's what happened. It is what happened. Also, we have seen time and time again when quarterbacks get a little bit too big for their britches and start demanding things of their coaching staff, and then it's usually either the coach or the quarterback to go. Mm-hmm. I think next, like, look at what happened with Lombardi and Rodgers. Rodgers started calling a little bit too many of the plays. He wanted more control over the offensive strategy. Even still, in that same season – the Packers' offense wasn't doing well. The Seahawks' offense wasn't doing well. So it's usually a nice little compliment um, between both people's actions. Sometimes the coaches take the slack, as did with McCarthy. I think this time it might be Wilson. Yeah, well, I guess they all can't be Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. Anyway, we're going to send it to break here. We're going to be talking about the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament. We've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up right after the break. Drive carefully, Brad. Don't worry, Wilma. I'm an expert driver. But that Trachosaurus isn't. Look out! Oh, no! Fred, did you get hurt? No, but I got a great idea. These vines and hooks will keep the whole family in place. You're so clever, Fred. Buckle up, everybody. I think I just invented seatbelts. Yappa-dappa-doo. Fred buckles up. So should you. Beep. You reached KCLU. Please leave a message. Thank you. I am from Jumphiller, Canada. Uh, I took part in recording a funny song, a parody of Tom Jones' song, Delilah. Uh, it's funny because it's about a bowl of past. It's called lasagna. I'm wondering if I could send you an MP3 of it. Um, could you please get back to me? My number is called lasagna. In 50 feet, turn left. Why are you driving so slowly? After a few drinks, I'm taking it slow. Well, you're not fooling the cop behind you. What? Get ready to pay in .1 miles. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Mixed Doubles on KCOU 88.1 FM. And let me tell you what, me and Abigail, we are crazy in love with the Mizzou Tigers women's basketball team, even though they haven't been as successful as we would like in this 2022-2023 season. But we've got a we got a big tournament coming up for the Tigers. It's the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament. Winner gets an automatic bid into Women's March Madness. Not that the winner would need it, as it'll probably... Well, actually, we'll get into the winner predictions later. But um, first up, Tigers play Arkansas tomorrow at 11 p.m. Central... Or 11 a.m., sorry, Central Standard Time. And, yeah, they're playing the Razorbacks, who they have lost to twice this season. It's a little 8 versus 9 seed matchup. Uh, yeah, in terms of this game, I think they're going to do a lot better than their 33-point effort against Arkansas on the road the last time they played them. But I really don't know how Mizzou is going to match up with them defensively. It's just really a bad matchup for this Tigers basketball team. And they really do have to play with urgency. I think a good SEC tournament run will maybe sneak them into the NCAA tourney. But a loss here, I think, is going to kill the slip. I mean, it, no, if we lose, if the Tigers lose this game, they're not making the tournament. They're the first, they were the first four out before they lost to Florida. And I just think that loss against Florida. Really, really, painful. really hurt their prospects. Get going from three. Get Haley Frank the ball. That's my keys to the game. Abigail, what do you think? I think they're going to struggle again. They did so both times this season when they faced Arkansas. Really poor shooting both times. Also, they scored under 10 points in the first quarter alone. As you said, they are going to need to bring urgency to the court immediately. Immediately from tip-off, bring the urgency every single possession in that first quarter. They, I mean, I sound a little bit like a broken record because this team's stats kind of look like a broken record in that they are not a first-quarter offense. They like to light up in the third quarter. That's not going to win you a game in the SEC tournament. And that didn't win you a game against Arkansas the last two times they faced them. Exactly. They need to warm up. Fast, and I would say put yourself in a position 12, 15 points in the first quarter. Arkansas is a mildly successful team from the three-point shot. 
Tigers can do a little bit better sometimes. And if you look at their best games, get going from three. Also drive in, as you said with Frank. Frank and the Tigers represent a very strong free throw shooting team. I think until sometimes if you're looking about looking about looking at offenses needing to warm up in the first quarter, it's a little intimidating to say we got to start shooting threes immediately and that those need to fall. That's way too much pressure to put on yourself. But it's a lot easier to say, hey, we're going to warm up by dri- driving it into the lane every single possession. I want every single possession to end with some type of action in the lane and at least one offensive rebound. Like making small goals for yourself achievable if you look at the offense and the height that they have. Um, that's key number one. Or I guess there's like five keys there. But if you need to win, these are the keys that you need to win, especially against a team that they've lost to so poorly. All right. Next, besides... Looking at the first quarter, my other two keys are rotations and clock management. I love Coach Robin Pinchton. I think she has created a strong program. Her rotations and substitutions are questionable at best. I don't know why Ashton Judd has about the same amount of playing time as Sarah Rose Smith. Ashton Judd and Sarah Rose Smith on offense, strictly offensive scoring, are about even, I would say. On defense, Sarah Rose Smith is miles ahead of Ashton Judd way out-rebounds her both on offense and defense and is the leading defensive rebounder on the entire team by over, like, 20 rebounds. She has 119 on the season. She has the height, she has the grit, and she also has a lot more patience than most of the other defenders in not getting herself into foul trouble, which is something that plagues the Tigers. Keep Sarah Rose Smith in the game, all right? Keep Sarah Rose Smith in the game. Judd is a mildly impressive offensive player when you need her in the third quarter. She is not going to be the person that is going to help start establishing that momentum in the first half. Finally, clock management. The last two minutes, make or break games. Coach Pinchton has run into several issues this season with clock management. That Tennessee game, they were up by five points with the last minute, and then they just really screwed it up. You have timeouts. Use them if you need them. Bars. Those are my keys to the game. Thank you. Facts. Snaps. <laughs> anyway, do you think they can win? Score prediction. I I mean, I think they they can win. Will they win? Probably not. I think it's going to be a little bit closer because I think there's a lot to learn. But I just, I think that it's going to be 55 to 63. Razorbacks. Oh, you think it's going to be close? I think, I think it is going to be close. I think that, I think that, I mean, Coach Pinchton, like, she has to have learned something from those past two losses. And, you know, when you've got that much tape, it's a lot easier to 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 figure out what you're doing wrong and figure out how to implement that stuff. So, Absolutely. Also, the tournament atmosphere is kind of the extra factor in helping yeah. them gain momentum immediately in the first quarter. Yeah. So that if they don't let that get ahead of their nerves and they just kind of like bring it in as an extra boost, I think that can help them. I don't think it's going to be the difference maker. I'm putting it 63-47 Arkansas, but we'll see. I think the opportunity is there. I would not have spent the time looking at these (laughs) (laughs) making this if I didn't think they had the potential. Unfortunately, my frustration with them comes from not rising to the occasion with the the strengths that they have. I agree. I agree. Well, moving on to the rest of the tournament, because obviously Mizzou-Arkansas is not the only game in this SEC tournament. If it was, that'd be really exciting. But Also, if they win... They have to play South Carolina. Yeah. So, the question is, can anyone take down South Carolina? Can LSU do it? Is there, like, what's the... Is, is there even a chance? No. Is it Don Staley's world and we're all living in it? I literally wrote in Don Staley I trust. Watch out in Don Staley I trust in my game notes. Now, Kim Mulkey I also trust, but, like... If we're looking at a hierarchy here, Don yeah. Staley above all else. There is a reason that the South Carolina women's basketball team is number one in the nation, not just the SEC. They are leaps and bounds above even number two, which is LSU. LSU is strong. They are not strong enough. When We saw this when they faced each other um, earlier in February. LSU lost 88-64. It was brutal. And not only that, but they immediately looked just completely outmatched on the court. They quickly trailed 18-2 in the first quarter alone. South Carolina is just such a well-balanced, efficient offense in that every single one of their top seven players is going to score, score quickly, and then also prevent every kind of attack on defense. Yeah. Uh, To me, and this might be a hot take, I think the big sleeper, the, the, the David to the Goliaths of South Carolina and LSU 
is Ole Miss. Ooh, interesting. They played both LSU and South Carolina as as close as you possibly can. I mean, they took South Carolina to overtime. No team has played these two teams as close as Ole Miss has. And to me, that's the mark of, hey... We've been here before. We can do this. That's got to inspire so much confidence. Yes, you lost both of those games, but to even be that close to two of the top four teams in the nation, I think that's very scary, and I think it's a recipe. I think that spells disaster for South Carolina, potentially. An upset is brewing. In the semifinals. I will say there's a reason Ole Miss is not in the top four. I don't even believe they're in the top ten nationally. Yes, they are? This is true. They well, no, they are. I was gonna say, and that is they've been injury prone. They, I believe, they played them a lot earlier this season, and they've had some also brutal head scratching losses against teams they should have beat. So they're more of a Cinderella pick, but I, I, I like this. I, I like mean, the creativity. I'm taking more of a cut and dry number one all the way, and you're bringing a little spice. Yeah, I think that okay, but in terms of who's actually gonna win it all, I would pick South Carolina. Yeah. Game on the line, if it was if it was gun to my head, you gotta pick the right one. I'm picking South Carolina and I am watching the SEC tournament with little with little with little anxiety because let's be honest here, South Carolina's gonna take this thing. Okay. Now I would have said that last season as well, and then they lost in that heartbreaking buzzer beater to Kentucky. Is there anything different this season that makes you even more confident in their success? I think they're a stronger team, but also I think that well they and they also have championship pedigree. But I think also the big thing is is it kind of doesn't matter if they win this tournament. You're so right. Absolutely. It, I, I, I think they're at a point now where they know for a fact they're going to be the one seed in March Madness. They know for a fact that you know they're going to be heading to at least the Elite Eight. I would not be surprised if this is a chance for Don Staley to sort of tinker with lineups and minutes or, I mean, even like... You know, even giving some people some rest, you know? Yeah. I know I know you want your guys sharp for, for March Madness, but when you know you've got the ticket there, no matter what happens, it's a lot easier to just kind of be like, hey, we lost the SEC tournament, big whoop, you know? Absolutely. I also think the jinx of the undefeated season is an actual very powerful thing. And earning a loss in the SEC tournament instead of earning your first and last loss in the March Madness is what you want. Like getting to feel that, being like, okay, that's it. We did it. We lost. We're not going to be undefeated, but that's okay. Shake that off your shoulders rather than having that additional pressure is definitely um, a strategy. Yeah. Not that they're going to go in and say, hey, let's lose this. But definitely relieving that off your shoulders of being like, all right, we're not going to go undefeated. But you know what? We can still probably win the big dance. Yeah. And if they're going to do it again, I think this is the season to do it, especially looking at UConn, injured, Iowa, one-man band, uh, one-woman band, Caitlin Clark, just great. Indiana, just got beat by Iowa. Utah, Cinderella story, but I don't know. I think it's going to be another SEC victory. All right. Yeah. Are those your thoughts, please? I think I think those are my thoughts, you know? Me too. We got a little bit of a uh, little bit of extra time here. Do you want to say anything to the uh, to the audience? I'm just really excited for the SEC tournaments on both sides. Also, I, yeah. Kara Brown and Jack Knowlton are on the call tomorrow for KCOU. Yeah, they are in South Carolina as we speak. So definitely tune in. They said heads Carolina, and not tails California. The song, you get it. I get the song. I'm not getting the connection. Like the it's Carolina because it's Kara. Lina. No, it's in South Carolina. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, <laughs> well after that uh, <laughs> after that groundbreaking joke by Blaze Fields, we're going to cut it I'm to break sure it here as Abigail understand. drags me out of the studio and finds another co-host. <laughs> we'll be back after the break for our, uh, we, we, uh, on our Instagram at MixedDoubles underscore KCOU. And a bunch of people sending questions for us. And uh, we're going to answer them live on air. So stay tuned for that after the break. If you love them enough to turn off your music and pretend like their music is your music. Ah, this is mommy's jam. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. 
Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. KCOU 88.1. Gotta stay in tune because you're never going to be done. Stay coming with the flame like we walk a flock in the pain. Understand that it's DNA and I do my thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, sing that shit, y'all. Oh, it's clean. Eternal Hello, 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 and welcome back to Mixed Doubles on KCOU. Um, if you aren't following our Instagram, Mixed Doubles underscore KCOU. You are missing out because we had our uh, second ever mixed mailbag. It was very exciting. I got a lot of fun questions. And, you know, if you want to help foster this audience interaction thing that we got going on on our social media, you know, you can ask us a couple questions, figure out a bunch of stuff. But, you know, to the people who did ask us questions, thank you so much. So, Abigail, let's get right into the news. What do we got? Is a hot dog a sandwich? Who who, Who asked that? Abby, Ramirez. Uh, is a hot dog a sandwich? No. What would you categorize it as then? It'd be more like a taco, really. Oh, interesting. Well, if you think about it, if you think about it, a sandwich has to have two pieces of bread that are disconnected. Aren't your hot dog buns disconnected? I'm like a no? cut the bun what? all the way through. No, and then really? Put one on, yeah. How do you keep the hot dog in the bun? You just hold it. Why would if you do that? Like, because it's like too much pressure. What if to your not what, if, what if your hand slips? Because then you it's like too much pressure if you don't cut the bun because then like the thought of it opening the whole time is it's like it's going to it's going to so you might as well just cut it immediately. What? Do you keep the bun closed? Yes. Okay, that's just strange. What ta- That's not strange. Why would you not close it? I don't know. I feel like when you see a picture of a hot dog, you can normally see the hot dog on both sides. No? Wait. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see the hot dog on both sides. But, like, at the bottom, at the very bottom, it's connected. No. No, no. It's like, it's like the, the bun. It's like a hamburger bun. Like, there are two completely separate parts to the bun, right? You're eating hot dogs wrong. How do you? I don't understand. It's closed. At, you put the hot dog in the bun, and then it just sits there. No. What, why no? That's like the, that's a hard, why would you make it harder on yourself when eating a hot dog? I don't feel like it makes it harder. It makes it more like a sandwich. Otherwise, it's like this cute little, plus then it doesn't really sit. It like falls out because it's closed. So like the closed part of the bun, like. <laughs> it doesn't fall out. Are you like are are you like eating your are you eating your hot dog like vertically like are you holding it like it's a phone? No, not not usually. To also be honest, I guess I'm talking about brats here. I at, never eat hot dogs. Well, ever. yeah, you couldn't eat a you couldn't fit a brat in a bun like that. Okay. Yeah. But just like a normal sized hot dog, like Oscar Mayer, oh, like you gross. you put it in the microwave. Ew, in the microwave? How else? Okay, if you're at home, the how, only way to eat how an Oscar else, Reiner. How else are you going to heat it up in a? How else are you going to heat up a hot dog? You don't. You don't eat them. You grill them. They are only okay. good grilled. Okay, fair enough. That's like boiling, like. Okay. I don't know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Grilling a hot dog is a is a is the best way to eat a hot dog. Sorry, I the just meant like if you way. don't if you don't have access to a grill. Do you microwave hot dogs like voluntarily? Yeah. Okay. Well, That's I don't do so it. Concerning. I don't do it all the time. Just as a kid. Mm. When was Abby the last Ramir- time you did it? I have no idea. That's how far it was. I can tell you okay. all throughout high all right, school, fair. I did not microwave a hot dog. Okay, valid. But when you eat it, your bun is always closed. Yes. Mm. See, that's. Mm, I don't know. Oh about that. my gosh, you're. We've we've absolutely ruined. Abby Ramirez has ruined the chemistry of this of this show. All right, what's the next question? What do you con- uh, Adam Bus says Busek? What do you consider to be the most average city in America? Uh, average. I don't want to just like roast any city here. Give me 
Um, give me, give me Cincinnati, Ohio. I was literally really? going to say really? that. <laughs> yes. City that popped into my head. I was like, Cincinnati, Ohio feels average. Yeah, because that's hilarious. I, I couldn't tell you what there is to do in Cincinnati. And I, but I don't have any like visceral negative attitude toward yeah. it either. It just exists. It just exists as a city in my head. I, I, for a second, I was like Salt Lake City, Utah, but I'm like, mm, no, there's I, too much connotation. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I have too much of a negative connotation. Cincinnati, it's just like it's the white bread of America. It's the hot dog bun of it's, America. Mm, see, we had a good thing going there, Abigail, and then you took the wheel and drove it off a cliff again. Uh, that's hilarious, though. <laughs> I was literally like, hmm, average city, Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Done. Ohio. No, no discussion. Okay, what's um, next? Baseball season predictions, Alyssa asks. Uh, I think it's going to be a really fun season. I think um, I don't think the Dodgers are going to be as good as they were in years past. I think that I'm very I'm I'm very wary of the Mets. I think they've got an interesting thing cooking out there. And I don't know. I think this is I think this is the year the Toronto Blue Jays put together a solid season and maybe even win the AL East. So those are kind of my hot takes. In terms of Cardinals, they're gonna win the division. And I think they've got a pretty good shot at going to the NLCS this year. Will they go to the World Series? I don't know, but I'd like it. It'd be kind of cool. If they went to the World Series, that yeah, would be cool. It would be cool. It would be cool. I'd go to a World Series game. Oh, absolutely. That would be fun. Um, I think the Yankees stand another chance. I think the Dodgers had a chance and blew it. I think the Braves are always around, but yeah. this isn't going to be like an electric season for them. I don't know. I, I kind of like the Padres I, this season. Oh, yeah, Padres. They made some moves in the offseason. We'll see. Yeah. Very interesting. I think the Giants wasted a ton of money. Sorry, Mickey Doolittle, but the Giants will be doing little this season. Wah, wah, wah. Eva asks, are you watching the uh, UNC-Duke game on Saturday? Ooh, if I have time, I probably will. It's a very fun game, always. doesn't matter if both teams are mid. I agree. It'll be a game that I'll have on in the background, yeah. but I don't care too much about it. Um, also, I just don't like either of those teams, so it's kind of I, I don't have a definitive person I want to cheer for. Yeah, I mean, I like I've I've liked Duke. Like I I I mean, I'm not like a Duke fan, but I have more like if I were to pick like UNC versus Duke, I'd be like, go Duke. Oh, see, I would pick UNC, but that's okay. Oh you also like your hot dog buns closed. Um, thoughts on college gymnastics after seeing it in person? Abigail, this is for you. I love college gymnastics. I'm going again Friday. There's the pink out against Alabama. I'm very excited. It's an electric environment. It's super easy to watch and understand, even if you're a novice, as I am. And it kind of gets me in the Olympic spirit. Yeah. 2024 is rolling around the corner a lot quicker than I would expect. I mean, it's only February. It's rolling. Is it summer? Is it going to be summer Olympics? Yeah, it's in Paris. Ooh, that's going to be exciting. I I do. I, I love watching cycling. It's so fun. Ooh, cycling is fun. Yes. Um, okay, thoughts about Caitlin Clark, Brandon asks. Oh, my gosh. Caitlin Clark is probably the best thing to happen to women's basketball in the past, like, three years. Absolutely electric. And, you know, I'm I'm not, like, super tuned in on, like, who's a prospect in women's basketball or whatnot, but Caitlin Clark should be the first woman off the board in the WNBA draft. And I legitimately think that whatever team she goes to, there are going to be some some high ticket sales because oh my gosh, she is absolutely electric. Yeah the the women's basketball stage in Iowa in general is so hot right now. Iowa State's women's basketball team put them on the map. They're also doing really well. And Caitlin Clark and Iowa are just synonymous. Did you see her buzzer beater against Indiana? Yes, that yes, was insane. that was insane. Literally every single one of her shots um, is. Somewhere between the three-point line and the half-court shot, and you just kind of know when to put it set up, you're going to be like, yeah, that's probably going to go in. Yeah. I screenshot this tweet from Megan McCown. Um, she said, Meg- so Caitlin Clark became the Big Ten Player of the Year for the second season in a row. Yeah. No shocker there. And some stats, just to throw them out. She is the only NCAA player, men's or women's, since 2009-2010 to average 25 points a game, seven rebounds a game, seven assists per game. And These- she's done it in back-to-back seasons. <laughs> Like these are like NBA numbers, right? Like she like she puts any male basketball player out of the water. Yeah, 
And not even close. Not even comparatively like, oh, well, the rest of her team isn't great. Like, she's just in a league of her own. Yeah. I think you put, I, I'm confident in this. You put Caitlin Clark in the NBA. I think she could average like over 10 points a game. Oh, I want to see it. Yeah. I would love to I'm see it. I'm starting a campaign. We're starting a, we're starting a narrative. Caitlin Clark foregoes the WNBA draft, goes to the NBA draft. Put her on the Lakers. They need a player right now. Yeah. Because LeBron James is injured. That's sad. Big sad. Big sad indeed. Um, my mom asked this question. Would you rather list, live the rest of your life without listening to a single note of music or without watching a single moment of any sporting event? Oh, I know. I don't even have an answer. Brutal. You answer it first, I'll think. I would say definitely. I would say music. I think that sports is a pastime. And it's something that, like, you know, it's, like, you know, ingrained. And it's, like, something where it's, like, yeah, you can fill the void of music by listening to a sports podcast or talking about sports, you know? Whereas with, whereas, I don't know, if, if you if you get rid of sports for me, there's no amount of music in the world that can make up for that. I definitely, that's kind of the way I approach this question as well. Because if I think about the amount of time spent partaking in either of those things sports for me like shape my weekends especially in the fall and in March and a little bit in the summer like that that is something I engage in it's something I spend time with other people watching and doing music although it would be so incredibly hard to continue to run without music I think that's the biggest thing running in silence for me is just not my favorite I think I could train myself to listen to podcasts instead and so as sad as that makes me I think I would have to go with yeah, I, w- I would not be able to live my life without sports. Yeah. All right. Uh, do we have any Do we have any more? No, that concludes Mixed Mailbag for the wow. day. Wow. Okay, okay. Uh, 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 As um, he frantically gets the next song ready for I, our little break. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best here, guys. Uh, I, I literally had it picked out. I'm so... Hey, you're all good. I definitely like went through those quickly. But that was our Mixed Mailbag segment. So yeah. thanks for submitting your questions. Yeah. We got some. I was not expecting the hot dog one. That's such a like normal uh, kind of debate. I wasn't expecting that to extend into such a fight. But you never know what happens. I mean, I just legitimately cannot believe. I legitimately just cannot believe that that was that was your take, though. Ouch. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it just it like I I, I just. Don't fundamentally understand how. Let me Google a picture of a hot dog. I know this is a radio show, and the the. But if you're if you're at home, Google a picture of a hot dog, and tell me if the bun is closed. See that? Okay, none of those buns look closed. Yes, they yes they do. Oh, they do. They do. They do. That's a closed bun. But that's not how you eat it. So what you eat it horizontally? Then like the bun like rests in your like hand yes oh no how would you eat a hot dog you eat it like this so it's like bun hot dog bun so it's like stacked and then you put it in your mouth how do you put condiments on it how do you put ketchup and mustard without falling off that's the point the condiments are so much easier to eat then because because they don't fall off because you put the ketchup on and then you put the bun on top so the ketchup doesn't fly anywhere Otherwise, the ketchup is like the first thing that gets on your lips. Wait, so you put the ketchup on the side of the hot dog? No, I go bun, bun, hot dog, hot dog, ketchup, bun, so that the ketchup touches the bun. Otherwise, if the ketchup just touches oh, the air, then when you bite gosh. into it, the first thing you get in your mouth is like ketchup on your lips, and it's like messy. Abigail, I want you to look at every picture of this hot dog. But those no, are all it- like so like stylized food shoots. Like that's how a, that's how a hot dog is pictured when it rests on the table. That's not how anyone functionally eats a hot dog. Yes, it is. That's how people functionally eat hot dogs all the time. Is they just put it? I, I person eating hot dog. Person eating hot dog. I guarantee you, you will not see a single person eating it like a sandwich. Hot dog. That's so strange to me. No, see that person. Okay, one person. Thank you, thank you. The bun on top strategy this allows how you your mouth not dog. to get so messy because then you're like the you're it's dry on top and bottom because it's the bun, not the condiments. The condiments are then, nicely sandwiched. They in just between. eat a eat a burger. Well, yeah, I would so much rather eat a burger. That was not the question. I'm, if I'm being forced to eat a microwaved Oscar Mayer hot dog, 
you better believe oh. I'm putting bun, hot dog, bun. Whatever. Well, I like to eat my hot dogs like chili chestnut. Stick the bun in the water, stuff it in my mouth, and then just like stick the entire hot dog down my throat without chewing. Anyway, we're going to kick it the break Ew. here. we got to open forum again. We're going to just talk about whatever we want. It might still be the hot dog conversation. Who knows? This is Mixed Doubles on KCOU 88.1 FM. Look at me, busy as a bee. Where'd I get all this energy? Oh, man. Mm, man. I don't sleep and I don't eat, but I've got the cleanest house on the street. Oh, man. Mm, man. Get these hairs all out of my face. Get these bugs all out of my place. One more hit. No time to waste. Oh, man. Oh, man. Last year, four million people graduated from Red Cross classes. One of them could save your life. Join them. Hey there, I'm that guy who got shot by Dick Cheney in the head, and I'm bleeding out of the head. You're listening to KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia, Missouri. I'm bleeding. Hello, hello, hello. We're getting kind of getting kind of bluesy, getting kind of R&B soul vibe. A little Black Pumas for the day. I love Black Pumas. Their vinyl record, the only vinyl record they've ever put out, is always on sale, and I'm hoping to catch it one of these days. But, you know, I'm big big vinyl record guy. Do you have a record player? I do have a record player. I have record player. I've got probably about 20, 30 vinyls. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. That's my, that's my hobby is collecting vinyls. What's your favorite vinyl? That you own. Ooh, that I own? I really... Re- I really... The first vinyl record I ever got was Nirvana Live and Unplugged in New York. So it's all acoustic. It's crazy. It's it's legitimately one of the staple albums of the 1990s. It's such a good album. First album I ever listened to on vinyl. And it was very, very, very good. Um, I also have... Um, I just got Untitled Unmastered by Kendrick Lamar and it's like a it's all the it's all the songs that didn't make to Pimp a Butterfly and he kind of just threw them all in one album. And I also have uh, I got Zach Brown Band's Greatest Hits. It's a very good album. A lot of good a lot of good bops on that one. So So what's the difference? And I know there is one. I'm not asking that there isn't, but like what's the difference in experiencing that song on vinyl versus through your earbuds? Your I I ear guess buds? it's kind of the process of putting on a vinyl First of all, vinyl records are like music in their best form because it's uncompressed. Anytime you listen to something, like they have to like shrink it down to like listen to it. So like CDs, they have to be compressed onto a disc. You know, cassettes, they have to compress on the tape. Vinyl records, uncompressed. That's the reason why they're so big, is because you know that's what it. That's just what it takes to put an album onto like a piece of vinyl. Uh, but it's also kind of like the process of just like you set up the vinyl, you put the needle on and you kind of just, you kind of just sit there and it kind of forces you to like listen to the music. You know, you listen to music while you're walking around with your AirPods in, you start looking at other stuff and you start thinking. But for me, it's just like, there's no distractions. It just sounds really, really good. I mean to tell you that Nirvana live in New York, it literally sounds like I'm sitting in MTV studios listening to them go absolutely ham on some acoustic guitars. That is really cool, that experience. It's interesting. I'm taking a um, historical, political music honors class right now. Yeah. And we're kind of like tracing how music is experienced throughout the eras of America history and looking at like how in some eras it was experienced as like a religious 
participatory event. Like it's something that you engage in. And then it was a political rallying cry. And now it kind of merges into all of those. But for most people, it's just kind of a passive listening experience. So there's definitely this like nostalgic yearning to bring back the like engaging in that kind of thing. Yeah. Not that that has anything to do with anything, but I just, I think it's really interesting. It gets a little philosophizing, (laughs) you know, which I like. Yeah. Man, what? I like those. I like interesting classes like that, though. Like classes that are like, I would normally never take this, but hey, I kind of either have to or this is just a fun elective. So I don't know. What's your favorite? What's your favorite like off kilter class you've ever taken? Ooh, I. I'm not calling ASL off kilter, but my absolute favorite classes I've taken are ASL. Okay, They're so interesting. Like learning about ASL uh, deaf culture and then how ASL is implemented into that and how just like the language differences, but also the cultural differences and just all of like the cultural experiencing experiences surrounding ASL and like what makes the deaf community its own separate entity, but also how that's integrated into like um, hearing culture. It's really, really interesting. Interesting. Um, I think one of mine, I took an intro to entrepreneurship class. I mean, I'm getting an entrepreneurship minor, so I did technically have to take it, but I don't even have to get that minor. So I took that class though. And it was very, very fun because there was a lot of fun experiences. I got to do my own shark tank pitch. That's cool. I got to, I pitched, um, it's actually funny, a NIL agency that's like, you know, for athletes, you know, works on like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, you know, like the agents of like, you know, like LeBron James or right, whatever, but, but, for for co- but, but for college students. And I really, That's really cool. I really do think that that could be like a good idea that could work in theory, but obviously I don't have the resources, nor do I have like the expertise to do that. But Hit up Luther Burden, say, <laughs> Hey, I heard you're selling some chips. How can I help? Hey, I heard, Hey Luther, I have an idea. Why don't we get you on KCOU, your own radio show? That might actually... Just Why has nobody thought universe. about that? Actually, yeah. Maybe we can. Maybe we can make that happen. Who knows? Yeah. You know, I mean, Dennis Gates. He's got his own. Was it Tiger Talk? They go to Shiloh's, hang out. Sounds pretty cool. Can we talk about how Dennis Gates has made his own brand for himself on social media? How Mizzou hoops in general has really kind of rallied the student section through the art of memes and videos and tweets and just like kind of creating this extra like social media experience with the basketball team separate from their games. Like all of the memes are their own newsworthy event this year, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I I mean, I completely agree. It's always fun whenever there's more there's like more of a culture, you know, and it's very yeah. obvious that the basketball team is you know, it, like embracing it instead of just being like we don't listen to what other people say. They should. The memes thing. are funny. Look they are the very funny. And there was a whole video of them like reacting to memes of themselves, which I just thought was <laughs> hilarious. Like Nick Honor. The, Dude, the Nick, puns are just off the it, wall. Insane. Or just like, I don't know. It, or like, <laughs> There's so many. It's like you just went to the Middle East and it's Sean East over like the Middle Eastern portion of the world. And it's, uh, to me, just peak humor. So keep it going, guys. Well done. And well good done. luck to both the men's and the women's basketball teams as they take on their... Very impressive opponents in their SEC tournaments. Heck yeah! All right, well, we're gonna we're gonna dip out of here. I'm gonna go get get a hot dog. Yeah. No. Uh, well, anyway, you know the drill. We're here every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Follow us on social media. This was mixed doubles, and this, in honor of Women's History Month, starting today, Woo! is the song.